Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we're, we're once again in uh, the chapter, uh, the 11th chapter of Luke, and we're coming to this next phrase in verse 2. And the, the phrase that we're going to be looking at this morning is your kingdom come. This, this prayer that, that we've been studying begins with God and, and begins with his glory before it goes to the, the needs that we have, right? Because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago that there is a point where in our prayer we, we bring our needs to God where we say, God, give us uh, the, the provision that we need. Forgive us of the, the things that we've done wrong. But, but first, there's this time of proclaiming that, God, we want to see your name be made holy. We, we want to see your, your kingdom come here on earth in this place, in this time. One of the, the pieces that you have to recognize right away is that God's kingdom is a little bit different than any other kingdom that we have seen on this earth. God's kingdom is, is not the same as any kingdom that has ever existed or that ever will exist. If we look at, at earthly kingdoms, they, they are kingdoms that have held sway, that have held power for a period of time. And just by the measure of time alone, we see that that kingdom is limited. The, the great kingdoms that we see in the Old Testament, the Assyrian kingdoms, the, the Babylonian kingdoms that were once so powerful, that, that were once so prolific in their areas are just a footnote in history today. The Roman Empire that, that had so much influence in terms of uh, its coverage over Europe and Asia left us with some ancient ruins and Latin. The royal families of Russia are long since gone. Hitler's Third Reich rose and fell. The British Empire no longer rules the sea. And America, a contemporary superpower, is on the, the brink of moral collapse. Whether we like to, to say that or not, it's true. Kingdoms can rise. Kingdoms will fall Nations will refuse to heed what God is calling them to, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so when we think in terms of kingdoms, when we think in terms of the kingdom of God, we think of something that is completely different than anything else that we have ever encountered or will encounter in the pages of history. In Psalms 145, 13, it says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. 
And so in light of that, we need to ask this question, what is it we are asking for when we have this phrase that comes up that says, your kingdom come? What are we asking for? We are asking that God's sovereign rule will increasingly be established in our hearts. That God's sovereign rule will be increasingly established in the other people that we come in contact with, the world at large. And that more people would begin to acknowledge him as king. That those people who are currently held captive by the the powers of darkness, would be able to, to recognize that there is a hope, there is a rescue, a salvation, a restoration that comes with God's kingdom. One of the great distinguishing factors of God's kingdom is that he has rescued those who are part of his kingdom. In Colossians 1.13, it says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So this dimension of sovereignty of God isn't something that we're supposed to pass over. It's... How often have you read and have you maybe even spoken, have I spoken, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And you just, you put the whole thing together. But the fact of the matter is we need to recognize that we're asking that God's heavenly kingdom would come and be done here in this place. And that's a big deal. It's not something we're supposed to just gloss over. It's something that we're supposed to recognize as being powerful. Psalm 115.3, our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. (laughs) So this is a a completely different worldview from what we hear on a a daily basis and television, what we hear on the radio, what we see in the newspaper, what we see online. We are proud of the achievements that we have made. We are proud of the things we have done. We, We look at ourselves and say, yeah, we're in charge. We've got this taken care of. One of the, the greatest illustrations of how that is not the case is if we look back at the Old Testament, there was a king named King Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel 4.30, we find Nebuchadnezzar is walking on the the balcony of his palace. And he looks out and he, he looks over his entire kingdom and he's feeling pretty good. Look at everything that I have done. He, he looks at the, the vastness of his kingdom, the grandeur of, of the construction that has taken place. He says, is, this not, is not this the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? 
And it's so easy when you hear those words to say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you're being dumb. Who, who, who talks that way? You're, of course you're not. No, God did that. We know that. And, and so we all kind of just brush it off as, yeah, you're being stupid, and now we're going to see what's going to happen to you. But if we think of maybe some of those songs that, that we've heard, a specific Frank Sinatra song comes to mind. I did all that, and may I say, not in a shy way. Oh, no, oh, no, not me. You know, I did it my way. <laughs> but that's Frank Sinatra. But maybe we have some of those areas in our life that, that we have maybe thought of, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. My way is working just fine. And so we can imagine Nebuchadnezzar on his balcony blaring Frank Sinatra on the stereo as he's looking out over the, the vastness of his kingdom. And let's look at what happens in verse 31. It says, The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. Uh-oh. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, dear. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people. You will live with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and he gives them to anyone he wishes. Until you acknowledge, until you proclaim, God, I want to see your kingdom come. The rise and fall of nations is clearly established under the sway of God. And when we pray, God, we want to see your kingdom come, we're not acknowledging the fact that the, the, the real issue is not about whether there's a Republican Congress or a Democratic Congress. It's not about whether or not communism is rising or falling. It's not about any cultural revolution that's taking place in China or, or Korea. It's, it's not about any of those things that are happening in the world. It's about the kingdom of God. God, let your kingdom come and let me remind myself that you are king and I'm not. One thing that we know, even from worldly kingdoms, is there is never an instance where someone shares the throne. I've, I can't think of a single time in history, maybe I'm wrong, I cannot think of a single time in history where a king was like, here, you can come sit on the throne with me, it'll, it'll be fine. And God is the same way, God does not share the throne. What's different is that God allows us to choose to sit on the throne if we want. When we come to the Gospels, when we look at, at that part of the Bible, we see that Jesus is going through the towns and the countryside and the villages, and he's, he's preaching the, this message. And if you look at really any of his parables, their vast majority are about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. 
And he's, he's telling people there is a kingdom that exists and, and I am the king of that kingdom. And you're not in the kingdom right now, but if you follow me, you can be a part of it. When we find people that are, are in the church today that are determined to fight, that are determined to engage in all of the, the hassle and the drama and all of the problems that exist, it's partly due to the fact that they have not latched on to the idea that it is not their kingdom that is coming. It is not their kingdom that is supposed to be taking place here. It is supposed to be God's kingdom. And when you find people that are terrified about what's happening in the world today, there's a lot of scary stuff that's happening in the world today. But when you, when you stop and, you, and people are, are terrified and frightened about what's going on, about whether or not they should be getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or whether they should be getting some other vaccine or should they be getting a vaccine at all? Should we be wearing masks? Should we be doing this, that, or the other thing? Should we be worried about some terror attack that's happening in the Middle East? There are plenty of things for us to be worried about. But the fact of the matter is, and this is going to sound super insensitive, and I don't mean it to, but the fact of the matter is when we look at this in the light of God's kingdom coming, they, they pale in comparison. And that's not to say we aren't to, to consider those things. It's not to say we're not supposed to participate in democratic process and vote and, and all of that different stuff. But the fact of the matter is God's kingdom is going to come. And that was, that was Peter's problem in, that, in the garden that night. The, the mob has come to arrest Jesus. He takes out his sword and he just starts swinging it crazy through the air because you have to be swinging a sword pretty crazy through the air to get somebody's ear taken off. And he swings it through the ear and he, he takes off the, the ear of the servant. And Jesus is like, for goodness sakes, Peter, what are you doing? <laughs> Haven't I told you about this? Put your, put your sword away. And sir, sorry about that. Here's your ear back. And so he puts the ear back on his, his servant. And can you imagine that guy every time now, he's, every time he touches his ear, he's like, man, you have no idea what just happened. You're never going to believe what happened to me. Some crazy dude was swinging a sword and cut my ear off and Jesus just put it back on again. And in that moment, we see that Peter did not understand what it meant for God's kingdom to come. And in the midst of that, Jesus wasn't like, get out of here. Jesus was saying, here, let me show you again. And that's what Jesus is doing time after time with us. And as we make those crazy mistakes, that he's like, what are you doing? No, let me show you again. This is, this is what it means. And so what do we mean when today when we're praying, God, we want to see your kingdom come. 
What do we actually mean? What are, what are we praying today? One of the things that we're praying for is we are praying for the conversion of men and women to become part of the family in the kingdom of God. When we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying that men and women would be brought in through new birth into the kingdom of God. And, and we know it's through new birth because he said it in John. In the book of John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus saying, how do I enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, you have to be born again. You have to, to be born again. You have to be made new. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. No one can enter into the kingdom of God unless he, unless he is born of water and the Spirit. And this is brought about not by the, the natural scheme of things. No, you don't have to be born from your mother again but as the result of God's spirit working a miracle inside you. There's another occasion that we see Jesus where he takes a little child and he sets the child in the middle of all of these people that, that are asking these really weighty questions, all of these, these students of the law, all of these religious experts and he says, unless you are humble enough to receive me in the way that this little child receives me, then you will not be able to enter into the kingdom of God. When we move from the Gospels and you start looking at, at Acts, at the Acts of the Apostles, I don't know, do you guys recognize that that's what that word means? It's not just like another Bible word where it's talking about acts. It's saying these are the, the things that the apostles did. And so when we, when we go in and we look at the acts of the apostles, in the very beginning, we find them in a room. And when we find them in the room, what are they doing? They're praying. And I hadn't really thought of this before, but, but let's think for just a minute. If, if the disciples that were following Jesus had asked Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus said, well, this is how you pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your, your will be done here in this place just like it is in heaven. Give us the, the provision that we need today. Forgive us for the things that we've done wrong. Help us to forgive those who've done wrong things to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom. And the, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And if the disciples were taught that this is how you're to pray. These are, this is the way you're to pray. And they are now gathered after his ascension into heaven. Wouldn't it make sense that that's what they were praying at that time? And so in the, in the midst of this upper room, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, maybe they were, I, I wasn't there, I don't know, and it doesn't say. But if we go out on a limb and say, hey, I, I think it's a good idea for us to pray. And so they sit down and they, they start praying 
the Lord's Prayer. And did God's kingdom come? It absolutely did. The Holy Spirit came. The word of God was spoken and preached with with boldness as Peter goes out. And as a result of that preaching, some 3,000 people are added to the church. That is what it means to see God's kingdom come. The next thing that we're praying when we say, God, we want to see your kingdom come, is we are praying for submission to the king. We are praying that, that our lives would live in such a way where we recognize, God, you are king and I am not. When Jesus comes and he sits on the throne, it brings about a revolution. We are no longer who we once were. We are no longer looking for our own agenda. We are looking for God's agenda to take place in our life. As we are going through the process at home of packing up all the boxes, <laughs> we have tons and tons and tons of boxes that we are filling up with just random things. And as you start going through that process, I haven't moved a whole lot in my life. Some of you have probably moved, you know, 10, 15, 20 times. I think we've moved maybe like three times, and some of those don't count. <laughs> Keely says two. As we go through this process of, of getting ready to move, you start when you're, you're in between. You start recognizing that this, this place that I'm getting ready to leave is not my home. And in that short period of time where you're planning to go someplace else, that's not your home either. And so there's this short period of time that is the perfect illustration of how we are supposed to live our lives on a daily basis. And it is so interesting that it, it only works for like a couple of weeks. <laughs> and it just so happens that I find myself in the midst of that time period just when we're coming here to have this conversation today. <laughs> that we are supposed to live looking to see God's kingdom come, recognizing that our kingdom, our home, the, the things that we hold dear here on this earth pale in comparison. There's a song, I'm, I don't know if it's a hymn, it's a song that I, I heard when I was a child and it says, joy, is a fat flag that has flown from the castle of my heart. For the king is in residence there. Joy is a flag. Love is a flag that has flown from the castle of my heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things are the flag that are supposed to be flown from the castle of my heart, not because I'm super great, but because the king is in residence there. And as those things become the flag that are flown from my heart, they replace other things. They replace bitterness, aggravation, animosity, spite, jealousy, hatred, all of the, the nasty stuff that will come when we just let it hang out on its own. Is Jesus really my king? 
And the question that we get to ask ourselves this morning is, if Jesus is really my king, and am I an obvious subject of that king? Can people look at me and know that Jesus is my king? Can people look at me and, and recognize a loyal subject, or am I a traitor? So that's the alternative. If, if you're not a loyal subject, really the only alternative is that you are a traitor. The final point that we are to be praying and, and expecting when we pray and ask God, we want to see your kingdom come, is that it would be a completion of his kingdom. One of the, the hardest things to think about, one of the hardest things to recognize as we think about the kingdom of God is that there is both a now and a not yet dimension to the kingdom of God. So, for example, Jesus spoke about conferring a kingdom on his disciples. And, and we look forward to that day when that's going to happen. When Jesus will say to all of the people, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, your kingdom the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That Matthew 25, 34 says just that, that, that there is a kingdom that will be coming. And that's what we're talking about when we say, even so come, Lord Jesus. So as we, we look forward to that time, there is still hardship that exists today. There is still hardship that exists as we exist in the, the kingdom of God today. One author says that, that all we see today is the scaffolding of the kingdom of God where it has been erected, it's been set up just the way it's supposed to be, and, but he, right now he is building an invisible kingdom. The writer of Hebrews says that he's building an unshakable kingdom. As we look at, at all of the hardships that exist in the world today, our, our culture is buffeted and moved and debilitated by the inroads of all kinds of things that would, would try to attack the kingdom of God. What are we to do? What, how are we supposed to respond? Do we, do we just throw up our hands and say, well, this isn't gonna work? No, we pray, God, we want to see your kingdom come. And we acknowledge the fact that as we, we lay our heads down to sleep one more night, God, we still are looking to see your kingdom come. I don't need to fear the destruction of my body for you are building an unshakable kingdom. I don't need to fear the demise of our influence within the culture that we find ourselves because you are building an unshakable kingdom. We may appear completely insignificant to the world. We may appear totally politically 
irrelevant. But that's not the issue. That is not the issue. We are to turn our gaze to an unshakable, unseen kingdom that we have been invited to be a part of. On July 25th, 1993, there was an incident that, that probably a lot of us heard about. July 25th, 1993, the congregation of St. James Church in Cape Town was gathered for an evening of worship. And at that time, a, a hooded gunman broke into their worship service and fired indiscriminately into the congregation, killing 11 people and seriously injuring a, a group of others. Before the evening was over, one of the church leaders came out to make a statement that would be carried out to the rest of the world through the, the world press. And this is what that statement was. While as Christians, we must live in this fallen world, we do so knowing that at the end, there is a new world coming. When Jesus will be acknowledged to be king, the members of St. James seek no revenge of the Almighty, excuse me, the members of St. James seek no revenge and harbor no bitterness. We are content to leave justice in the hands of the Almighty who has appointed a day of judgment when all will have to give an account for their actions to him. How can you possibly make that statement? How can you possibly say that if your focus is on today? How can you, you say that and actually mean it if your focus is on your current experience, your current expectations? What is it that makes that change take place? What is it that, that makes us want to, to see God's kingdom come? It's the understanding of what it is we're looking for of what we're looking forward to. We are looking forward to an unshakable kingdom. An unshakable kingdom where Jesus is king. Where he is Lord of all. Where every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more death. No more sorrow. No more sickness, no more pain. All of those things will be wiped away and God's kingdom will have come. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we seek your kingdom. God, we seek your righteousness. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come here in this place today, right now, here in Wood Street Chapel. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your kingdom come in our hearts, Lord, and in the, the comings and the goings that exist for every single person here today, Lord. We proclaim that we want to see your kingdom come and that it would be here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we recognize that, that we are in the midst of, of finite kingdoms. God, that, that history is made up of, of all of these different kingdoms that will, will come and will go. And Lord, in the midst of that, we recognize that you are eternal. Your kingdom is eternal.
As we prepare to go from this place this morning, Lord, I ask that you would, would cause the, the desire for your kingdom to grow within each of us. God, that you would, would kindle that flame Lord, as we we move to a time of prayer and a time of ministry, Lord, if that's an area that exists in our lives that that needs to be addressed, that needs to to be repointed back to looking to your kingdom coming, God, allow us to take that time to do that today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and we ask that you would bless us as we go out of this place into the world, Lord. Allow us to to have our testimony be a witness for you. That others can see and can, can turn and can become part of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 